Punchy Panda Podcast back in your life. Thanks so much for joining me again. Special episode one zero. And we did it. We made it. We made it to UFC on ESPN two in Brazil. Horrible tragedy that happened earlier this week. So I'm very happy the UFC is there. Boost the spirits, lift the economy. We had a wonderful pack of fights. Even on the first portion, the early prelims, amazing fights all throughout the night. And when I say night, I want to emphasize the point of early evening. The fights were over by 10 o'clock. That was an unbelievable revelation. Everyone online was loving it. They wanted more fights, unfortunately, just because we've been so pleased and unfortunately conditioned to staying up until the middle of the night like vampires to get our MMA. You know, this isn't the dark ages anymore. ESPN is here to show us that. You don't have to be a dirty old man on your uh, on bootleg cable with your pay-per-view that you stole. You know, you can just watch it like a normal human, you know, just like he would on Fox. And that's so nice. And I'm happy. I hope all the cards are like this. Of course, you can throw me a 10 o'clocker in there every now and again. I'm not going to, you know, cry about it. I've been crying since, you know, forever. So at the end of the day, that was one of the best things about the card. And we hadn't even gotten to any of the fights yet. Fans are delighted at the end time, period. Even if that fight had gone five rounds, it would have ended before 9 o'clock. And that is amazing. And we need to keep doing that, if possible. Let's not stretch them thin. They're doing a good job. Let them keep going. But let's open up the wonderful, wonderful fight card from Fortaleza, Brazil, with the main event with pitted Marlon Moraes versus Rafael Sensao in the rematch very anticipated rematch high stakes championship maybe and boy did it deliver again I'm always settling in for five rounds for all these main events but so far this year we have not needed it Marlon Moraes magic man doing it again this time by submission in the first round this is three top five opponents that he's finished in the first round with his last two being in the top three that is absolutely amazing and honestly tj has a lot of work cut out for him he's talking about dropping back down to fight Cejudo again i'm intrigued with what Cejudo brings to the 135 pound division now but now Marais is in this weird no man's land where he is number one contender, but do you just sit out and wait for the dust to settle? We are now in a new age where the money and the promotion will drive the division. So, you know, with a highlight reel that he has, I don't see him getting skipped over, but there's the whole perception of TJ Dillashaw just lost this year and now he's defending his title. It's not odd. It happens in sports all the time. But to the optics of a fan, that's just going to be something that's going to be in the back of everyone's mind. They're going to feel a little cheated. At least that's how I feel personally. I feel like 
unless Dillashaw gets a win over. I personally feel like Cejudo should get the title shot automatically. So Marais should just sit out like a smart guy and maybe even, you know, maybe early next year or maybe even um, the end of this year, depending on everything goes. But then you get into trilogy talks and then we're talking about sitting out for a whole year. I don't know about that. Dominic Cruz is not even waiting in the wings, so you don't even have that big fight that you could get. But, you know, if he's, you know, willing to roll the dice, you know, I feel like Cody Garbrandt has a big name and they can make a big main event off of that and put some money in his pocket. Maybe that could get him into taking another fight. But I just don't see him fighting Pedro Munoz, even if he does beat Garbrandt. And then there's no one else really in the division. The marquee, anyway. But who knows? UFC's pretty smart. They'll figure out something to do with him. You know, he's magic, after all. As far as the Sun Sal, I don't think he did anything wrong. He came aggressive. He was pushing forward like he always does. And the beginning really mirrored the first round of their first fight. It just seemed that... Marais was a little bit more accurate this time and a little bit more direct. I do appreciate it. It just seems like every time Sun Sal gets to that hill, he just falters like a Cowboy Cerrone or um, a Formiga. It's unfortunate. Again, 11-2 and two in his last... Goodness. 11-2. and two. Just think about that. That is so many fights in the UFC at the highest caliber. And most of those fights were in the top 10. That's impressive and something to hang your hat on. I know there are going to be great things for him. Luckily, I feel like with a loss, he has a, a lot more directions to go at least. Cody Garbrandt is right there. That'll be a good um, marquee matchup. Or Pedro Munoz, whoever wins. Dominic Cruz will come back and both of them will be healthy. Hopefully, barring any injuries from him. So he could always just sit out and wait for that to happen. And, you know, right off into the sunset with that fight. I feel like that's a, a big legacy fight as well. So, that's so weird. I never thought to say, like, actually losing a fight, you have more opportunities. Because the title is so wrapped up right now. Speaking of legacies, we are going to drop back down to the co-main event but first, if you want to discuss anything, just want to tweet me, any ideas on the show, keep good keep, it's Foxy Pharaoh, hit me up on Twitter, get in my DMs, have a conversation. But we have to have a better and bigger conversation about the mad rush of Jose Aldo to the top. It's just like when you knock him down, he just comes back even harder and faster. It was Vintage Auto. He looked like a man possessed. He looked like he knew exactly what he wanted to do and implemented it amazingly when he saw Hanato Moicano hurt in the second round of their contest in the co-main event at USC 2 in Fortaleza. It was unbelievable. Jose Aldo wins via TKO, via punches. The body shots really were the most dynamic punches. Heard him up top and then ripped to the body. He just would not stop. It was relentless. I was very, very surprised. I thought he would give more count a little bit more respect, but that's not Jose Aldo. I see why he didn't want to go three rounds. 
I'm sorry. I see why he didn't want to go five rounds. He knew it wasn't going to take that much. Why build up everything and, you know, go for a hard camp? I feel like that's when you really have to respect somebody, when you have to give them the opportunity that maybe they'll come back, you know? If you get clipped towards the end of the third round, so to speak, you know, if that was in a different round, we're looking at a chance for Hanato Moicano to recover. And Josie Otter has to go two more rounds after splitting across the cage trying to murder him. And that wouldn't have looked good. But the judging, if you get a, you know, if round one is pretty even and then you do that to him in round two, you're probably going to get the decision. Especially when you have legendhood on your side. Legendhood? Is that a real thing? I mean, it's definitely a real thing. But I don't know if it's a real word. But he's full of legendhood. He's amazing. Jose Aldo, the King of Rio, recreated his King of Rio moment as well, rushing out into the cage. Did anybody see the eagle kick? That was hilarious. He looks outside the cage, shakes his head no. And if anybody thinks about grabbing him or fucking with him, he jumps off of the octagon and does the flying Khabib kick. It's amazing. That's gonna. I hope that's in the UFC four game. Somebody better be developing that. You know, I don't know whose Mortal Kombat move that is, but it's so funny. But even though Hinata Moikano did suffer defeat, this is a, a big step up in competition. He won a whole round with Jose Aldo. And let's be honest, if Aldo comes at you like that, I don't think any any person was going to stand up to him against that. So he, he has obviously has work to do. He's still young in the game. Maybe he can get that um, Brian Ortega fight back. They're both coming off of losses. That fight was very close. Why not stay at the top? It'd be weird to lose to the same guy twice in such close succession, though. But at the end of the day, there's so many people at Featherweight. There's so many places for him to go. And both of them are going to have great success moving forward. I want to talk about two separate fights, but both having to do with weighing, weight cutting, and being professionals. First, I want to bring up something that infuriated me to the point where I couldn't really even enjoy the first fight of the main card. Uh, Olivia Hanata Souza, former Invicta Charway champion, defeats Sarah Froschke or something like that. I cannot remember her last name. It's very hard to pronounce. Very weird. And hands her her first ever defeat via split decision, which obviously I'm not a fan of. I didn't score it that way whatsoever. But truth be told, Sarah was landing a lot of good punches. And she should have because she weighed in over the fly, the strawweight women by seven pounds. She was two pounds away from the flyweight weight class. And for somebody with the stature of Souza to compete in that fight and do as well as she did is something that should be commended, but also something that we really need to look into. This is the first fight in Brazil in the ESPN era, the first card, and she's opening that card. She knows this, maybe not before weigh-ins. But she knows that this is a big, important spot for her and her career. Not having a fight because of someone else not being professional. 
someone else not putting in the hard work, someone else who doesn't understand the opportunity that she has in front of her is something that many fighters, both male and female, have to struggle with when they take fights with people who are overweight. It's not fair. Like I've mentioned before, it's very unprofessional. And at the end of the day, lucky for her, it didn't, well, lucky for Souza, it didn't work out in Sarah's favor. Sarah definitely, definitely had to fight at flyweight. That was an egregious fail. You're from Brazil, so I, I don't want to hear planes or travel or anything like that. You're not a no undefeated, so you know how to make the weight. You have to put in the work. Speaking of putting in the work, let's talk about the light heavyweight champion, John Jones. I know, weird segue, right? But John Jones is someone who may take a picogram or two, but puts in the work. And when you see the people coming up in the light heavyweight division, the Young Guns, the Corey Andersons, the Anthony Smiths, you can see the hard work that they put in to produce these performances. And that's what Johnny Walker and Justin Ledette did. This was, again, the debut of Johnny Walker in Brazil. In the new ESPN era, the UFC banking a lot on this cat. It's 26, Brazilian, and in light heavyweight, it's wide open. Knockout artist, charismatic. What couldn't you love? What couldn't you market? Justin Ledette, on the other hand, heavyweight, dropping down as a professional. Someone who may just have came off a loss at heavyweight, but definitely... Did very good at that weight class. Three victories. But he saw an opportunity. He knew that taking out Johnny Walker on the second show of ESPN in Brazil would do amazing for his career. So he did everything right. He made sure he went to the gym and got on that bike. Lost the weight. Lost the weight healthily and prepared himself. But in that same breath, maybe losing all that weight was a detriment to him because he was knocked out in just 15 seconds by Mr. Johnny Walker. Spinning back fist was all it took. Missed soccer kick was a clutch moment that allowed him to sustain victory because if he even landed that insane soccer kick, the fight would have been over. Dequalified, disqualified rather. But truth be told, it didn't. So we have to look at things in the real world. Honestly, I hope he incorporates that soccer kick to the body. That would be amazing and dynamic. If he would have kicked him into the body with that kick, it would have been over from there. He wouldn't even have to continue punching. What a dynamic win by Johnny Walker. The only thing that I want for Johnny Walker is the op is literally the opposite of what I want for Hanata Souza. I want Hanata Souza. She has two wins under her belt to come out and get a finish in her next fight. Once she gets a finish, she'll be so firmly on the map. 
She'll be ranked, and she'll be able to get a top opponent after that. For Johnny Walker, I want him to get a decision. I want him to show the rest of the division that he can go three hard rounds, and I don't need to land a punch or a spinning attack or an elbow. I can do it all, all type of mixed martial arts. These are two young, marketable, charismatic, young potential stars that the UFC has for the next generation of Brazil. And I can only say things are looking up. Speaking of stars in Brazil, Charles Oliveira, shining bright, just racking up submission wins, stacking another on top of history as he submits David Tamer, someone who I was very high on, 5-0 in the UFC, and that was a big test and he failed at it. But Charles Oliveira showed exactly why he's a world-class lightweight who's not even ranked at the moment. So that's going to be amazing. Uh, he's obviously going to get a ranked opponent in his next fight. I wonder who it will be. Charles Oliveira did it all. Dangerous on the ground, and he heard Tamer on the feet. So I'm very impressed with that win. And he can only go up from there. Those hook kicks, switch kicks, and that flurry, that Brazilian flurry that we saw from Ardo is very hard to stop. Also, someone coming off the Contender Series, very promising career, Mara Romero Barella. I just love saying her name. It looks very good on paper. She looks good in her fights. Did a very good job. Fighting off the larger opponent again. Sustaining her ranking at flyweight. And like we said about light heavyweight. You know, you stack a couple wins up. It's wide open. You can just find yourself in a title fight. Just because. I'll be remiss if I didn't mention Damian Maya. Also stacking another submission on top of history. Another finish. Defeating Lyman Good, former Bellator welterweight champion. So again, he's not fighting slouches out here at 42 years of age. He's just amazing. All the Brazilian stars were amazing on this card. What an amazing trip to Brazil. What an amazing introduction to Brazil from ESPN. Continuing with the UFC, they had a big presser earlier this week with all the stars from UFC 235 available. John Jones, Tyron Woodley, Usman, Funky, Lawler, the indomitable Cody Garbrandt, and Pedro Munoz. But someone was missing. Another former champion. Something that I didn't even think about going into that car, but they were going to have five champions. A champion in every single main card fight. That would have been amazing. But alas, Holly Holm was pulled from the, her fight with Aspen Lab with not a lot of notice given. Now we know that the UFC is trying to book her against Amanda Nunes in Brazil, maybe even alongside um, Rose Namajunas. No disrespect to Rose, but I did think that was kind of, you know, not a very strong main event for a debut show in Brazil. pay-per-view I just you know not to be a Debbie Downer but they needed something big there for this year especially with ESPN covering it more heavily but I digress I don't think 
that is a good reason to take a fight away from somebody who is as talented and undefeated as Aspen Ladd. I definitely think that that was Aspen Ladd's ticket to the title. And now she is just waiting in the wings. And I don't like that. Especially when Holly Holm could fight at featherweight. Especially when Holly Holm's towards the end of her career. And it's already made up a lot of money. And it passed up a lot of money. So, I'll digress on that missed fight. Hopefully we have another fight that gets put on our main card that's just as good. The press conference had three big moments to me. One was the introduction of everyone in the UFC and the fans, the Funky Town, Ben Askren. Very predominant, very boisterous, even calling out Khabib. Very funny and entertaining. The the Holly Holm Aspen Lad moment, that was a big letdown. Everybody was bummed out about that. Honorable mention, the ridiculous fans in the crowd. Press conferences need that. It's very entertaining, even though they had to hush them down. It was pretty funny. But overall, the back and forth between Woodley and Usman, very fun, very colorful, manufactured by a manager more than likely. But Usman had a funny moment. You can look it up online. I'm not going to embarrass him. But at the end of the day, you got to do what you have to do to sell a fight. And it looks like the co-main event and the main event are shaping out to be pretty good. Thank you so much for listening to the Punchy Panda Podcast. Of course, hit me up on Twitter. where you can find everything I talk about. All the links. Fight news. New anime. Everything that matters to you is online at Keep Good Keith. Thank you so much for listening to the Punchy Panda Podcast. And always, punch up.